Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. And this is the Tell It Like It Is radio show, normally with Pastor Bob Simons, and he is not in the studio tonight. Tonight, uh, this is Matt Ramsey coming at you. Uh, by his request, I don't have him like, you know, locked up in some room somewhere. Um, but I will be doing the radio uh, show tonight. I want to take a moment to invite you to church right here in Dickinson, North Dakota. That's the New Life United Pentecostal Church at 501 Elks Drive. We are in the former Elks building. We have the top floor uh, in that building. And our next service is Wednesday night at 730. And then we have Sunday services at 10 o'clock and 11. So we want to invite you to that. And I'm sure I'm going to do that uh, again uh, at some other point in the show. So if you didn't write that down and you wanted to, you'll get another chance. Tonight, we're going to be talking about misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. And I want to ask the question, could you be deceived? And if you were deceived, how would you know? And that's the main thing. Could you be deceived? And how would you know? How would you know if you were or you weren't? You know, if you've ever talked to a a person with uh, mental problems or maybe having a psychological breakdown, maybe I know I'm talking to people who have uh, family members, friends, who have um, struggled in these areas. It's a fairly commonplace thing. Um, And if you have, if you've ever struggled or talked to someone who is struggling with that, you understand that it can be very difficult to get a hold of them uh, in terms of... uh, Sharing with them what's true and what's not. It's one of those things where they think that they understand the truth. They think they know. They think they know truth. But it's clear that they don't. They don't understand. They don't understand what's going on. They're having a a mental breakdown. And you can present them with uh, all the evidence that you could possibly uh, uh, want, and yet they still don't understand. And um, so, again, we're going to be talking about truth. How would you know uh, if you are uh, experiencing a break from reality? Of course, it seems that in our society today, our culture, that there are a lot of people with their own set of reality or their own facts I should say and their own their own idea what what is true and what is not we're going to be talking about what the bible says is true you know there's a uh, a tenant in psychology a a um 
uh, truism. Okay, here. And the, the truism says, truth or the concept that um, you know what's true for you is actual reality that's not what psychologists mean when they say perception is reality what they mean is that how a person perceives things that's the reality for them but oftentimes they're going to be visiting a psychiatrist or a psychologist because even though they're perceiving reality in a certain way, that's that's not true. Like it's it's objectively not true. So when they say perception is reality, oftentimes that reality is, is for that person is very skewed. And so then it would be the therapist's uh, job to try to uh, teach them and train them. Hey, this is not. You may think this is true, but this is not true. And um, and so you know that's sort of the realm of of, um, of psychotherapy and this type of thing. But we also have entities in our life that uh, would also like to be a sort of arbiters of truth or to tell us what is true and what is not. You know, there was a, uh, a story that I read several months ago about this uh, governmental panel that was going to be enacted. And it was going to, you know, monitor the social networks, I suppose, maybe even the news media. And they would... A, a government body to, to tell us what is true and what is not true. And they would be able to slap you know, misinformation labels on, on things. And they even came up with a name. Of course, governments have to have names, or you know, agencies have to have names and, and acronyms. And this was the Election Infrastructure Government Coordinating Council. It was one such thing. Um, there might have been some, some, some other branches, but this was one of the groups. Election Infrastructure Government Coordinating Council. And they identified three different types of, uh, of bad information. Misinformation, malinformation, and disinformation. And so they identified or, or defined misinformation as false, but not created or shared with the intention of causing harm. Misinformation would just be like you, you're just wrong about something, uh, but you're not... Uh, it's not an intentional wrong. Disinformation, they defined as deliberately created to mislead, harm, or manipulate a person, social group, organization, or country. And that would be disinformation. This was actively, you're trying to harm, uh, uh, you know what you're saying is wrong, and you're saying it in order to cause a problem or to, to mislead someone. And then they identified or defined malinformation as based on fact, but used out of context to mislead, harm, or manipulate. And from my understanding is that the government body that was going to be in charge of this, at least has for now, been disbanded. And I think there was some backlash regarding one of the heads. Uh, someone had some information on where she was very you know, politically one, one way and, 
And so uh, there was backlash that this wouldn't be fair. Many people are not comfortable with the idea that there would be any organization, much, much less a governmental one, that would be in charge of labeling what is true and what is not. And there are numerous examples in history of why people might be a little skeptical by what we're told by uh, authority figures. Um, we can all think about what we just went through the last several years with COVID, for example, numerous examples. Um, you know, and I know that listen, you know, my audience listening here uh, tonight, probably there are n- numerous sort of ideas, beliefs, thoughts, feelings about COVID and different things, vaccines, masking, um, quarantine, and all, all types of things. I, one example that I'll bring up that I hopefully is, is going to be fairly non-controversial. But if you remember, there was a big, um, you know, discussion, disagreement on where COVID even came from. From my understanding, even today, we have this, this, uh, this question mark on, was it a lab? Was it natural? Of course, I know many people believe that it was from a lab. Um, but at some point in the last couple of years during, you know, the, the height of COVID, if you would talk about COVID coming from a lab, you would be labeled as misinformation or disinformation. And there were people, scientists, doctors, credential people, and you know, uh, podcasters and sort of the you know uh, anyone's you know coming out of the woodwork were kicked off of some of these social media sites, kicked off of YouTube. Um, had articles written about them or suppressed uh, because they talked about COVID coming from a lab. The Lancet, one of the top, you know, sort of medical journals, even ran an article about how ridiculous this theory was that COVID would come from a lab. Well, that went on for a few months, and then then some information came out that finally people were going, well, maybe it did come from from a lab. And the Lancet actually went back and edited online their original article mocking this idea that COVID came from a lab and they softened the language saying, well, you know, it's maybe not unhinged. Maybe it's not ridiculous to think of this as coming from a lab, but it's um, not a lot of evidence for that. So they, they changed their tune a little bit on that. And whether it came from a lab or not, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, probably neither were you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you think it came from a lab. Maybe I think it came from a lab or maybe not. But the point is that there are, that's one example of some very contentious, hot-button issues that people have, we, there's been a kind of a war uh, over what, what is the truth? Who is to say what the truth is? Do you trust the people who are making these judgment calls? And this is the direction our culture is going, the direction our government is going. People want, there are people who uh, are are very skeptical, but there are other people who want someone to be in charge of the truth. There's polling data out that I've looked at in the past (coughs) that show a, a growing percentage of younger people, younger millennial generation and younger, uh, that are, um, receptive to or or enthusiastic about the concept of the government censoring problematic or harmful material 
on the internet. We're not talking about like pornography or like violent material, but they're just material that could they would say um, could be misleading or maybe harmful. Um, would would maybe you know uh, they want the government to, to be more of a censor sensorial role. Now, in some sense, they've identified a real issue. The, the fact that there are, is so much misinformation out there and so many lies. And it can seem to us that it's worse now than it has ever been. And there's probably a lot of truth to that. With the Internet and the interconnectivity that it allows, all the social media platforms, there are just so many more opportunities for lies and untruths. And if we're just talking about sheer volume. Of course, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard the uh, saying, uh, a lie can get around the world before the truth can get its boots on or shoes on or you know whatever. But lies seem to travel very quickly. The, the truth is, uh, uh, is a much more difficult thing to find sometimes. It can seem like. And so again, it seems maybe like in modern times, this is a problem, but... There's always been a war on the truth, and that's been from the very beginning. In Genesis 3, 2, we read, uh, says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, I suppose Eve would have benefited from a site like Facebook or Twitter slapping one of those malinformation labels on the serpent's statement. Though, I'm not sure I'd take it for granted that they'd be on Eve's side here, some of those platforms. Um... But here we have a war on truth. Um, the devil taking what God had, the command that God had said, and and twisting it. And of course, it's been brought out before that Eve's first statement was not correct either, because or not quite correct, because God never said not to touch the tree, and He said just don't eat of the fruit of the tree. And there's been some uh, speculation over the years. Maybe maybe that came from Adam. Maybe, you know, when, when Adam received the command from God, don't eat of the fruit of the tree, he said, well, you know what? We're going to put a hedge around that. We're not even going, we're not, not only are we not going to eat it, we're also not even going to touch it. And maybe that's where Eve was getting that from, or maybe that just came from her own mind. And, you know, if it was an extra layer of protection, I think that would probably be a good thing. But if, it's, if it actually speaks to her being lazy, with regards to listening, listening to what God was actually saying. Uh, yeah, uh, he said um, something about, I think he just said, um, I don't know, we're not supposed to eat it and not even touch it, something like that. I, I don't know, I, w- I wasn't really paying attention. I was, I was, staring, at, I was staring at Adam. He's, he's, you know, he's cute. You know, if that was what was going on, I don't think, you know, rather than actually listening to what God is actually saying, well, that might have been a window into how easy it was for the snake to deceive her because she wasn't she wasn't taking truth as seriously as she she might have again i don't know i wasn't there i'm not saying that was the case maybe it was adam 
giving her protection, or Eve saying, you know, I'm just going to add this extra layer of protection. But you know how the story goes. She looks at the tree again. She thinks about what the serpent has said, and she decides to go for it, which is kind of interesting because of the, and, and, and such a, this is kind of a side note, but such a reflection of, on human nature. The devil was promising her, the devil in this case was a serpent, the devil was promising her something that she had no concept of, but he was offering it to her like it was some kind of prize that she wanted. And just the way that he was able to put it to her, hey, you're going to know good and evil. Eve, what's that? But it sounds good. I have no idea what that is. She had no clue, but the way that the devil made it seem, or how he presented it, how he packaged it, she wanted it. And that is human nature in a nutshell. Like we don't even we don't even know. Like I, I think about all of the 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 garbage junk food uh, that we have. Like um, we we um, you know some of that stuff, especially for you know, if you have kids, you know you just have to shield their eyes as they walk through like the cereal aisle or some of the um, you know the frozen treat aisle, the, some of the breakfast food aisle. Like they don't even know what this stuff tastes like. If you know if they've never had it before, but man, does it look good! I mean, they don't even know if it's good. Uh, we had. Um, I, I grew up. I remember having. Or now we're. Re- I'm way off topic here, but I, I, I had uh, grew up having toaster strudel as a kid. I don't know if anyone remembers toaster strudel. If you still have, it's still around. Well, I had. We we bought some. My kids had never had it. I don't think, or maybe they've had it maybe once. And we bought some, and you know they're they're loving it, and, and I'm like, well, okay, I'll have a toaster strudel. I'll eat one, and. That did not taste good. I'll tell you that, that right now. I, had, I don't know if I got a bad batch. I don't know. It, it tasted like chemical. It tasted, I mean, it was, but as a kid, I remember I, lo- I love this stuff. And of course, you know, you know, I grew up watching those commercials and, and I mean, just everything just looked so good. Um, but we just, you know, how did I get from here eating of the fruit? But the, the devil can make things look good and, and uh, make us enticed with things that we don't even know why we would want these things. But Eve eats of the fruit, and of course now we are in the, um, and Adam eats of the fruit, and now we're in the situation where we are at now, thousands of years later. But again, from the beginning, there's been a war on truth. Jesus, talking to the Pharisees, said uh, to them, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. John eight forty four. Well, we're going to go to a little break here, and then we're going to talk about what is truth. Maybe we'll visit Pilate and see if he has anything to say on the matter. be without you stepping to the bow of my boat speaking to the wind and waves peace be still gratitude has overtaken all my thoughts of despair and the emptiness that once was lord is now a place you fill and i'm thankful for the faith you placed in me and that you are almighty Because when I'm weak, then I am made strong I'm thankful for the blood you shed for me When you died on Calvary Cause when I'm baptized, it removes all my wrong I'm thankful, oh 
taste of a life to trade peace and joy for strife when salvation was so near. So at those times you don't feel like lifting your voice. Remember that Jesus has purchased your choice. The praises you offer can set captives free because where Jesus right who's wrong who knows and again a lot of what we um 
we believe today in our culture, in Western culture, is comes from that concept of that of that Greek philosophy. Um, Pilate, I'm sure, was when when Jesus was talking about the truth, he was thinking, well, here I have just another philosopher who, if I got you in the room with you know one of my teachers, he would probably bring up you know six different ways to answer you. And how are we supposed to know? We we can't know. But notice in John eighteen thirty eight, this is talking. This is where Pilate and Jesus are having their interaction in in the book of John here in, in these chapters. And in John eighteen thirty eight, you know, Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Which was interesting because. If you're asking, you know, what is truth? When Jesus is talking to him and Pilate's acting like, I don't even know if what you're saying is right. Yet when he goes to talk to the people, he says, I find no fault in him. So what I would say is that while Pilate maybe didn't know truth and certainly not biblical truth, he recognized something. And I think about how you know we might not be able to describe or define the correct answer all the time. You know, you ever, this happens to me all the time, it's probably it's happened to me already a couple of times tonight, where you are, you know, you, you understand something, but maybe you struggle to put it into words. Um, again, kids are, are wonderful for this. Because they will ask you questions along the lines of, you know, daddy or mommy, I suppose, whatever the case may be. In my case, it's daddy. Well, you know, why is water wet? And so you're like, well, what, how, you know, uh, huh. You know, or the famous, why is the sky blue? And of course, you can go into the into some, you know, Google the scientific you know, well, it's light bouncing off of this or that or water molecules like this and we perceive it as, but it's difficult sometimes to come up with the answer to these things, but you can still, you sort of intuitively or something in you, you, you can recognize, well, I, I, I know what it, I know water is wet. Like I know it's wet. Why it's wet? I don't know. Go to sleep. Right? Here, do you want a glass of water? Drink it. Go to sleep. Shut up. Not that you would talk to your kids like that. Um, and, and, um, depending on who's listening, not that I would talk to my kids like that. Anyway, you know, we think about, we, we have, um, in the news, there was a sort of a big uproar in certain segments of our population that we have recently sworn in a Supreme Court justice who was asked a question uh, or asked to define what a woman was. And presumably the Supreme Court might, in the future, of course they have in the past, have a case where, you know, male, female, man, woman might be a uh, might be pertinent to whatever case they are trying to decide. If it's some gender issue, some sex issue, um, they might be required, or their ruling might be might be based on an understanding of what these concepts are. And this Supreme Court justice said that she couldn't define 
what a woman was or is because she's not a biologist. And I would say that people can get really bogged down in the details. And other people who are educated in debate and philosophy can make it seem like nonsense. Or, 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 or sorry, can make nonsense seem like actual truth. Things that are easily understood by children can be twisted and mangled uh, by certain ideologies, certain you know perceptions of the world to where you can't explain or define these just basic things. And you can get kind of um, flustered or flummoxed by this. I think about this uh, fallacy. Uh, some people call it the fallacy of the beard. And the beard, the beard fallacy goes something like this. If I had one hair on my chin, would I have a beard? Would you, would you say that I have a beard? Uh, probably not. One hair on the chin is, would not be considered a beard. Um, if I had two ch- hairs on my chin, that would not be a beard nor would three hairs on a chin. You wouldn't say someone, oh, look at that beard on that man, and there's three hairs on his chin. Most of us, I would hazard to to guess that none of us, unless you were sort of trying to be difficult, uh, would you say that that man had a beard if he had three hairs on his chin? And we could add one hair at a time and keep asking, is this a beard? Is this a beard? Right? At some point, the person has a beard, but drawing the line is hard. And it seems odd to say that 299 hairs is not a beard, but 300 hairs is a beard. Like that would be kind of ridiculous. But just because we have a hard time determining when exactly hairs on your chin turn into a beard doesn't mean that there's no difference between having a beard not having a beard. The, right? The, there's truth would still say, oh, that guy has a beard. You know, or you know, or that guy doesn't have a beard. We understand that. And it would be the same thing whether we're talking about can you define a woman? Um, you know, can you define a beard? Can you define a chair? Can you define an elephant? Like you could get really bogged down in the details. And again, someone who was expert in philosophy and debate could twist you around and and throw a bunch of, well, what about this? What about that? What about these this genetic an- anomaly? What about um, no uterus, no fallopian tubes? How about this? Would it still be? But we still understand at a root level, at a truth level, there is a difference. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest any man, I suppose it means any man or woman, spoil you through philosophy, and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, that's the King James. It's actually pretty straightforward. I, I would recommend the King James version. Um, but I also, just with the technology at my fingertips, and I suppose just the country that we live in, uh, we have access to a lot of other different translations. Some of them are really not good translations of the Bible. Some of them are okay. The New Living Translation um, sometimes does a, a, an okay job. And um, 
in the New Living Translation, it says, very similar to the, to the King James, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. And I like that term, high-sounding nonsense. We get a lot of that from academia, say, the, the, the colleges, a lot of high-sounding nonsense. It sounds good, sounds technical, but it's nonsense. And there's, there is a high-sounding term for it. It's called sophistry. So if you really want to sound, you know, um, I guess, smart while you are telling the smart people that they're actually sounding really dumb, is you could use the word sophistry. What they're saying is sophistry, this idea that, um, you know, twisting around things that are just obvious to sort of prove a point that is in truth wrong but sounds right that's sophistry when it's a when it when it when it, when it actually doesn't make sense but it sounds good it's sophistry and that person is a, a is a uh, it's sophist the sophists were an actual um uh, i guess branch of philosophy they their whole purpose was to make absurd arguments but make the best argument for those absurd claims for example and just to see if they could, by using human reasoning, claim a bunch of absurd things, like maybe that women don't exist, and um, but but use you know intellectual uh, um, you know philosophies, thought processes, uh, logic, reason, and try to craft these things. And they were doing it on purpose. Like they they didn't they they knew that what they were saying was not the truth. It was an intellectual exercise. However. Today we have sophists who do sophistry, and and they're trying to push this as truth. So again, what is truth? Well, the Christians going to among us are going to eagerly stand up and proclaim Jesus said that he was the truth. John fourteen six says Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what the Bible says. What's the truth? Jesus is the truth. So, uh, good, great. So what does that get us? Well, not much on its own. Like, there has to be an application. The fact that Jesus is the truth, just that reality, or you knowing that, does you no good unless you do something with it, unless you apply it. One of the most chilling verses in the Bible is in Second Thessalonians chapter two. Uh, Second Thessalonians chapter two verse ten starts says, "And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not a love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should be, believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in." unrighteousness see it's one thing for another human being to trick you to make you believe a lie it's another thing for the devil to trick you and make you believe a lie but when god sends the delusion um what hope do you have to get out of that how how would you know if you're under a delusion well god wouldn't do that how that why would that's what the bible says 
And you can read the context. You, know, you don't just pull a verse or a couple of verses out and then you know try to make a um, theology about it. This is in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse ten. Read all of Thessalonians if you want, and I, I encourage you to do that. But he's talking about God sending a delusion specifically to people who loved uh, lies or, or they loved not the truth. They didn't want to have anything to do with the truth. They uh, wanted to, in, in other places in the Bible, when you read uh, uh, more all of the Old Testament, or the New Testament rather, you get a picture of, of people who love darkness. Um, they, they love sin. They, they do not have a love for God. And um, they don't they don't want to know the truth. And so at some point, God says, "All right, you can you can have that. You can have that lie. You can have that that uh, deception." And and the, and the delusion actually comes from God at that point. What about following your heart to find the truth? Well, Jeremiah seventeen nine says, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked." Who can know it? It's a mystery. Who can know the heart? Well, Jeremiah 17.10 answers that question. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings, the, the, the outcome or the actions that he does, um, the, you know, the things that he's actually doing. Um, it's the, you know, the, the Disney lie that you just follow your heart and it's going to tell you the truth or what to do, how to behave, how to live. Your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I didn't come up with that. That's that's from the Lord. Right? And that's, of course, not to say that you know your heart will invariably always lead you in the wrong direction. I would say that you could, you know, you could say that your heart uh, uh, you could could be in a situation where your heart will lead you, lead you to God, and I think that's a good thing. But if you put your trust in just what your heart, or what we would probably say emotions, how you feel, a lot of people would say like, "Well, I just, you know, boy, I, I really like that church. I like how it made me feel." Well, that. That maybe that could be good, you know. That would be nice. You know, I've heard people come to visit our church, and sometimes they'll say nice things. I really like it here. I feel the Lord. I feel like I, I, I just feel good here. I, I feel, you know, love from people and friendliness, and and all that's good. I mean, I, I, I'll take that, right? But hopefully, you don't just base your decisions on where to go to church in terms of how you feel. Because you could end up anywhere, you know. And if you think that all churches are the same, doesn't matter where you go. Um, well, then well, that is um, that's a whole other uh, um, episode of Tell Like It Is. So we don't have time to get into all of that. The Bible says, "Do not follow your heart." Okay. So, what do we follow? We follow the Word of God. What about other people? Um, Psalms. 146.3 says, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. So trust not in princes, in a, in a, 
you know, and, and a powerful figure, an authority figure. Man's going to let you down. You might have a political leader. You might have a radio personality or a social media personality, a podcaster. And you think this person, they really get it. They really tell the truth. Boy, they're, they're a great leader. They're a great, uh, you know, expositor of what's true. They really, they, they're, they're fighting the good fight. Um, they, they tell me a lot of information. Be careful with that. Uh, the Bible talks about trying the spirits, knowing those that labor among you. Now, of course, those verses are, are talking about, you know, specifically in the congregation where you, you live, the people that you physically know because they didn't have radio back then, much less internet and, and this type of thing, TV, you know, these TV preachers, radio preachers. Um, and how do you know them? You know, they're, they're working among you, right? They're laboring among you. They're delivering information or maybe they're delivering the word. Um, and by the way, it's not lost on me that I'm talking to you and you probably don't know me. So, I'm, you know, I'm not telling you just to take everything that I'm saying for granted. Make sure it's in the word. Um, so, so you need to know people and then, and pray for discernment. That is a, uh, you know, there are different things that, that we are to pray for. Praying for discernment is one of those things that, that is something that, um, is a, uh, that would be a, a smart discerning thing to do. And discernment simply means, is this good or is this bad? Not from what my heart tells me, but from you know the God's perspective through His Word. And I talked about this these chilling verses in Second Thessalonians. Jesus also mentions a, a few things that are a little um, disheartening, or a little um, um, they they cause me to sort of be careful and take notice here. Because in Matthew 24, 24, Jesus says, For there there shall arise false Christs, talking about in the latter times, and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Similarly, in Mark 13, 22, he, this is again Jesus talking, For false Christs and false prophets shall arise, and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. And so the elect here is they're, they're talking about uh, Christians, believers, believers in Christ. And the idea that, they, that we can be deceived by these things. And, you know, we talk about the sort of the fake news epidemic and this type of thing. But this was happening back during the Bible times. And back when the apostles were, you know, roaming around, making their circuits, trying to see people saved, setting up these churches, at that time, while that was going on, there was false teaching, false preaching, false um, um, uh, epistles, false writings going around during that time, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. I'll, I'll prove it to you here. Going back to Second Thessalonians, chapter two. Now here in verse one, this is Paul writing here and says, "Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. And so here we have a picture that there were letters going around, and you can read other versions of the Bible, the other translations that bring that out a little bit more. In the King James, sometimes we just sort of speed past that part. But there were letters going around that were supposedly from the apostles, and they were preaching things that the apostles didn't preach. Namely, in this particular case, that the day of Christ was at hand. But we also read other um, epistles where the apostles address false teaching that arise from these other uh, um, teachers and, and things like this. They had fake news back then. And so we have always been, there's always been a war on truth. We're going to take another break for a, a moment here, and we will be right back after this. Came up. 
Another Bill Farron song. This is the Tell It Like It Is radio show. Uh, we are brought to you by the New Life United Pentecostal Church at 501 Elks Drive. I want to invite you here to, um, that's in Dickinson, North Dakota. I invite you to our next service, 7.30 on Wednesday night. If you can't make that, 10 o'clock on Sunday. And then at 11 o'clock, we also have a, a worship service. Talking about truth today, talking about fake news how do you know the truth? How do you know if you're deceived? Um, the only way you're going to know if you're deceived is if is by lining up information with the Word of God. It's not by your heart, how you feel. Um, I would say it's not even by revelation from the Lord. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of people saying a lot of things. Thus saith the Lord, God told him to do this, God told him to do that. If that doesn't line up with the Word of God, the Bible, then it's not true. It isn't. They're a false prophet. God didn't tell you that. Um, you might be sincere in believing that, but that's a deception um, because it has to line up with the Bible. We need to fall in love with the truth. Psalm 119, uh, there are over 100 verses. How, how, many, how many verses are in Psalm 119? Got my Bible right here. I could I could look. Some of you already know that, but there's just it's the the longest psalm, and the whole thing is about loving God's word, loving His truth, um, you know, seeking His His word, or, or meditating on His word, um, uh, needing His word to uh, you know more than life itself. This type of thing. Fall in love with the whole Bible. Here's a challenge, just as we have a few minutes left. Are there parts of the Bible that you don't know very well? Uh, dig into those. Read those. You know, sometimes we beat ourselves up because um, seemingly more and more we don't have the um, mental capacity to sit down and read. A lot of people have, have talked about that, or maybe you're just not a reader anyway. Um, I think that, you know, reading the Bible, like physically reading it, is important. I do it every day. But also, you know, before people were, you know, reading, they were hearing, listening. The Bible even talks about that as far as like hearing the word. So, you know, there are, if you have a cell phone, if you have a computer, if you, I mean, I suppose if you have a radio, maybe get the right station. But a cell phone or a computer, certainly a CD player, you can get the Bible read to you. You can hear the word. And that's, absolutely a legitimate way to uh, to study the word or to hear it, I should say. Um, and so if there are parts that you don't know very well, um, read that or listen to those things. What about, are there parts that seem to teach things that maybe your church or your religion doesn't teach? Maybe they hold a different tradition. You know, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I don't know if this is, if it, I don't know when God's coming back. But it sure seems like, and I, and I know that we've had difficult times in our, in our nation. Of course, in history, there's been difficult times. But specifically, some of the things that we are dealing with in our society at, at this moment, at this time, seem so bizarre, so beyond that which we've experienced before. Um, you are going to 
you're going to have to ask yourself is are your beliefs are your traditions etc what your church teaches is that good enough to sustain you and your family when the lord comes back or when tribulations come and persecutions come is it good enough for your children if what you have is not the full bible it won't sustain you it won't be good enough have philosophies have traditions crept into your theology what you think about god maybe it worked for your great grandpa and maybe it's worked for you so far but will it work in this new world where everything is being questioned and seemingly changed on a daily basis i grew up in a church and a tradition that i do not belong to anymore because i i came to the point where I was questioning what was being taught me. And as I looked into it, it didn't hold up to the word. Many people, when they when that happens to them, a lot of my friends, they say, well, this means that, that religion is not true, Christianity is not true, and they walk away. That is something that happens a lot. And I would say, in some sense, that's a perfectly, um, if not acceptable, it's a reasonable human reaction. It makes sense that humans react like that. If they're taught wrong things, when they see the right thing, sometimes they just get fed up, upset, and they walk away. I'm, re- I'm rapidly running out of time. So is it going to work for your children to be taught fall or half-truth, I should say? Because they're being taught by Hollywood, they're being taught by social media, they're being taught by their peers that it's, that it's not true. And when they start looking into it, hey, mom and dad say this, and hey, mom and dad are wrong. The Bible doesn't say that. I wonder what else they're wrong about. And they just blow it all off. You may have to get a hold of the truth in a way more radical way than your parents ever did or even that you've done in the past because things are coming together now in our society and you're going to need to know that you have a firm foundation. I'm out of time here. I want to say thank you for listening. Again, next week, I hope to see uh, Pastor Simon's back in the studio and until that time god bless and um, have a good week Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.